It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. My guest today is George Kuhn, owner and president of Drive Research. George has more than 15 years of experience working on the client and supplier side of market research and has consulted for hundreds of regional, national, and global organizations. He has vast experience with all types of market research design and project management and is a certified VOC professional with a focus on innovation and new product management. George knew very early on that he not only loved market research, but wanted to start his own company in the sector someday, and he pursued that dream after college. George's interests outside of work include his wife, Jennifer, daughters, Abigail and Mackenzie, and his dog, Shay. He is an avid tennis player and played collegiately at Castleton University, and he's also a Mets, Giants, and Rangers fan, which is unfortunate for him most seasons. George Kuhn, welcome into the corner office. Yeah, thanks, Brent. Excited to be here. Excited ah, to, to chat some more. Fantastic. Great to talk to you today again. And, uh, you know, as we spoke a, a few weeks back, I've been um, really in awe of market research over the course of my <laughs> career. I, I started in Procter & Gamble in for hand management, and you kind of get, you know, drilled into your head the importance of listening to the consumer and focusing on that. And you've spent your entire career in research, and I, and I want to talk a lot about, you know, what kind of led you to that, and of course, ultimately to dive, and a uh, drive, sorry, and we'll talk about, you know, what you're doing there, but um, let's start, you know, kind of in the early years, you know, where it all began. Tell me a little bit about your early family life, where you grew up, and, you know, where that was. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I live in Syracuse now. Uh, mm -hmm. My family lives up in the Thousand Islands area of upstate New York, kind of near yeah. the Canada, uh, Canadian border. Uh, but I actually grew up in New Jersey, um, okay. so I lived there until I was about 11 or 12. We moved to upstate in, in 93. Uh, so I lived in northern New Jersey uh, near West Milford. It was like an hour outside of New York City. Uh, both of my parents grew up in Patterson, New Jersey. Uh, so it's me, my sister, the four of us. Yeah. It was uh, kind of our family. Mom and dad, um, what kind of work do they do? Yeah, so so mom is a stay-at-home mom now. Okay. Dad is a seventy-four-year-old uh, salesman. He still sells cars, wow. and, and that's kind of interesting uh, with yeah. my family. Is they've all worked in the car business. No kidding. Um, okay. So my dad has been in the auto business since he started when he was eighteen as wow. a mechanic before yeah. he was uh, sent to Germany in the military. Like I said, seventy-four years old now, still working as a salesman, still still doing very well. Uh, my mom worked in, in General Motors in New Jersey for oh, years okay. before she had us kids. 
right. And uh, my sister works as a service manager up oh here for a smaller dealership. Wow. So <laughs> you're the aberrant. Right? That's right. I feel like the black sheep of the family, right? Um, which I'm is sure part of uh, yeah, it's part of the drive story. You know, it's yeah. it's the drive research name is a little bit of homage to our company. Right. Right. Um, awesome. You know, so yeah, it's got yeah. definitely roots in the auto family. Cool. And um, anything, you know, kind of early on that you remember from mom and dad, any, you know, kind of early advice or counsel they gave you as it relates to, you know, kind of the importance of maybe work or, you know, school studies or anything else? You know, my parents were really big influencers on me. Mm. Um, I would say my father, he has an incredible work ethic. I mean, he's 74. He still hasn't stopped. That's amazing. I love it. You know, so that was instilled in me at an early age. He, he really taught me you can you can accomplish a lot by, by just putting more effort and time into what you do. Right. You know, my mom um, has always had a really giving personality, super smart as well. Um, you know, it's something that I, I kind of keep in mind in business even, even nowadays is sometimes I think that gets lost is you can be really good at what you do. You can mm. be confident, you can be smart, but you can also be be good to people and be nice yeah, um, yeah and they don't have to be exclusive of one another cool were you a good student in school initially no no i was not i didn't get good grades in elementary school yeah. but um when i got into middle school and high school definitely something clicked there and um you know i was never the smartest person in the room still still not um <laughs> but uh i work really hard you know and um in middle school and high school i, I put the extra time into homework um, you know, extra time into just preparing for work. And that, that really made a difference for me. That's, that's kind of my sweet spot is spending additional time. Was never a fan of the, the tests, the SATs, yeah, the state yeah. exams, the regents in New York. Uh, you know, my style has always just been outworking and putting right. my work in. So right. um, a night owl, that's something that, that my whole staff, my whole family knows about me. Ah. I work best Late at night, evenings, yeah. Early, yeah. early, early mornings, you know, 1, 2 a.m. when there's nothing coming into the inbox. Right. Believe right. it or not, Get your most productive. Time. Yeah, most productive then. <laughs> Do you get a little later start in the morning then, typically, or, or are you still an early bird? It's tough. We have a yeah. two and a half year old and a seven month old. Oh my gosh. So I'm up usually <laughs> prepping with the wife uh, to get them ready to go to daycare and stuff right. like that. Right. So um, I don't get a lot of sleep. Um, I try to take advantage of it when I can on the weekends and stuff like that to catch up. But I enjoy it. When, when you enjoy yeah. what you do, you, you yeah. want to get up and do more of it. Sports. Uh, were you involved in sports or other kinds of extra cook activities, uh, again, during your early school days? Yeah. So I've always been an avid tennis player. Ah, um, okay, cool. So when I grew up, it was uh, me and a friend. We'd take our rackets and one ball down to the courts every day. <laughs> and when he wasn't around, I'd find a wall to hit against. Right. Um, so I played independently. Uh, in high school, uh, which what that means is we had no tennis team in high school. Oh, okay. So I actually traveled around upstate New York in a van with a, a teacher coach and played all of the other schools, number one oh. singles player. Kind of like a club got, team then, or, or, or were you just literally coming on to the, onto the, uh, onto the courts, uh, as an individual? Yeah, just me. Yeah. It was, uh, cool. it was an interesting experience. Definitely put me out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Um, Got it handed to me, Brent. Got crushed, but it was a great <laughs> learning experience. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, it's um, humility is important at an early age. Right? That is very true. Yeah. <laughs> so I continue to play. Uh, you know, still now in, in local leagues. It's a little tougher with two little ones, but uh, sure. still enjoy it to this day. Did you play any college uh, tennis at all? Did you, I did. That yeah. was definitely something that I made sure I wanted to find when I when I right. chose my college. Um, yeah. Wanted to find a school that had a tennis team. 
What about entrepreneurial things? Uh, did you have the ubiquitous paper route or sell Christmas cards or anything like that <laughs> as you're growing up? Yeah, all the time. Um, yeah. You know, starting drive and, and always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, you know, my grandma even used to joke with me that I'd grow up selling pencils on the corner in the city. <laughs> um, so I remember when I was really young, um, when I was a kid, I used to take construction paper and draw animals lay them out on the couch for my family, really? try to sell them to mom and grandma for oh, 10 cents, great. 25 cents, you know, 50 cents <laughs> if I thought I nailed the zebra, you know. Um, so I've always loved the the idea of just being in control of my success, making Thomas. it my own, yeah. um, just have always been independent, which is probably why, you know, I relate to tennis so much. Sure. Um, yeah. Was always the one who would try to take over group projects and, and take control. It's just by mentality with stuff. Yeah, right. What about, um, you know, kind of the uh, you know, high school years? Were, were there part-time jobs you had as well? Did you have to, you know, kind of save a bit to go to college? Did you go on scholarship? Tell us a little bit about those years. Yeah, so no scholarships. It was all paid through school loans, yeah. uh, which, um, you know, is the reason I worked really hard at it. Um, you know, um, <laughs> Most of those paid off now, George, or are you still Finally. Like, last finally. year I made my last Gosh. payment, right, which is Congratulations. crazy. Uh, yeah. Thank you. It was, it was a, sweet, <laughs> a sweet check to write. Right. Um, so I actually started washing cars at my father's dealership. Uh, uh, my, my first official payroll job was a dishwasher at a local restaurant um, up north, and sure. it was awful. It was awful. Hot, <laughs> sweaty, slippery, you know, dealing with dinner rushes. I also had to cook pizzas. Um, also worked at a, a deli pizza place across from the state park. You know, even in those jobs, though, I took a lot of ownership in what I did. And as a 20-year-old, I was reorganizing the kitchen. I designed a menu for the deli shop. I, I just really enjoyed the, the business and entrepreneurial aspect of it. Um, you know, things I didn't like, obviously, you know, being on the kind of the retail and the angry customers, but you learn sure. a lot from that. Yeah, um, it was great. It was active. I was busy. Um, in college, I, I worked in the, the library computer lab for, on Saturday for, for six hours starting at 8 a.m. Wow. It was great. You know, who's going to come to a computer lab at 8, 8 o'clock on a Saturday, right? So I just <laughs> sat there quiet, did all my homework, caught up for, for the week, and, and was able to enjoy the rest of the week. Um, that sounds like where those, those quiet times might have started, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, so in retrospect, really, you know, those early jobs, when I think about them, um, you know, it, the, the crappy job has put a lot of things into perspective for me, right, um, you right. know, because no matter how bad my day is or how stressful or how challenging a client can be to work with, it still beats the, the washing dishes in a 110 sure. degree kitchen, you know, in a summer heat wave, <laughs> getting paid minimum wage. It, it just those jobs, I think, are important because they, they right. do help with perspective and humility. <laughs> yes, very true. Yep. Now, you went to Castleton University. Was it kind of a foregone conclusion that you'd go to college uh, growing up? Was that something mom and dad kind of steered you towards? Yeah, you know, they, they kind of let me make my own choices, but, you know, they knew I was serious about school and, yeah. and I did well. And it was it was kind of without a doubt, you know, college was in the plans for me. It's always something I wanted to do. Um, you know, believe it or not, the first from the Kuhn family to graduate with a bachelor's degree, which is crazy when I think about that, wow. you know, just yeah. the family. Um, have always been a numbers and stats guy since I was young, uh, right. which is not too surprising running a market research firm. Right. Right. Um, always charting numbers and stats, watching the Mets games with my dad, <laughs> drawing up baseball cards. You know, it's probably why I love fantasy sports so much uh, mm -hmm. still to this day. So I figured, you know, coming out of high school, uh, someone who likes numbers has two choices, right? You become 
a math teacher or an accountant. Right. That's your yeah, two choices. Right, right. right. Uh, so yeah, out of high school, I actually, I chose the latter. Uh, my accounting okay. teacher in high school um, in TI had gone to, to Castleton University, oh, okay. which is actually Castleton State College back then. Right. Uh, checked all the boxes. They had a tennis team. It's about five hours away from my home, so it was far enough. Like I felt I was getting away, yeah. but still within driving distance for the yep. holidays to come back. Yep. So Or bring yeah, the laundry that, home. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and I brought a lot of it. Yep. So, so that was my choice. Uh, I looked at two schools in Vermont and, and ended up going to Castleton. Yeah, yeah, great. And were you a walk-on on the tennis team? Were you recruited? What was it? Uh, yeah, yeah, just a walk-on. You yeah. know, it was kind of, uh, you know, I, I wanted to also pick a school that I know I can make and play and, sure. and, and have some time on the team. So, so we were all walk-ons. They didn't do any scholarships for the tennis team. It was kind of a small state school in Vermont. So uh, yeah, it was fun. Enjoyed it. So you got your got your uh, business degree, and I think you you did some focus in statistics as well, right? Or did you go I down did. the accounting route? Yeah. I did. So it's it's an interesting story, right? Um, so over the years, even in high school, I've always had a, a side passion for the advertising and marketing end of things. I just mm. loved the creative aspect of it, the strategy. I loved watching TV commercials. Um, so as an accounting major, um, I ended up taking a consumer behavior class sophomore year in college. So we started talking about index scores and, and people who ate Snickers bars in the U.S. And Brian, I fell in love. Like, you know, why do males in the Northeast of this age group index at 810 for, for Snickers? It just piqued my curiosity. I remember sitting there in the class. And at that time, I had no idea market research even existed. Right, right. Um, sure. So it opened up a whole new career path for me. It's, it seemed, and I still say to this day, it's the perfect blend of numbers and statistics. Yeah. Uh, using those numbers to to drive marketing. So th the thing about accounting that always scared me was the monotony of it, the, the right. debits and credits. Right. I, yeah. was, I was scared I would get bored. Repetitive. Yeah. So yeah. the next day, went into my advisor's office, changed gears, uh, did the general admin degree, concentration in marketing, minor yeah. in statistics, and, yeah. and never looked back. I awesome. feel really fortunate, um, you know, as a 19-year-old. Uh, knowing exactly what I wanted to do yeah. the rest of my life, uh, you know, it's it's some people take a lifetime to figure that out, and, and I figured it out when I was nineteen. And, I and you went that. right on to get your MBA at Clarkson, right? And, I and did. Was, was that a choice, um, you know, for further, uh, you know, kind of deep dive into the research area? Uh, I know you did some new products work, or or did you just decide, you know, best to kind of get this behind me and go to work later? What what was kind of the thinking behind doing those back to back? Yeah, hundred um, percent. The nice thing about Castleton is they offered a four plus one program, so I was oh, able to God, knock out yeah. my MBA in one year. And um, you know, the the advantage of doing that is you get it behind you, and you don't have to worry about going back later on when you have a family. Yeah. Um, finding the time for that. The disadvantage is is most of the people in our program were fresh out of undergrad, so a lot of us didn't have work experience and and weren't able to apply a lot of the things we were learning. Um, you know, but it, it's still a great decision. I can't imagine trying to do that now with where I'm at in life. Um, so went to Clarkson. Uh, I don't know what I, you know, it's a thing about cold and, and snowy places, I guess, going to school. Um, it, it's, it allows for focus for studies. Yeah, that's for yeah, sure. Exactly. I, I went to the University of Oregon and back then, of course, now they don't have as much rain, but back then it was pretty much solid rain from September through, you know, May, June. So the, you couldn't do anything else other than study. Right, so it right. sounds like some of the same reasons, right? It's the, the same thing our clients <laughs> talk to us about that, you know, being in Syracuse where we get, you know, lake effect snow now, I always feel like we have an advantage we're not on the beach in san diego so you know we're always working That's on your right. stuff <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and then uh, what was that first job out of, out of school 
Yeah, so uh, the nice thing about Clarkson is they had a, good, a lot of good uh, networking with organizations. So there was a, a research firm in Syracuse uh, who came down and interviewed for job openings for, for some of the graduate students right. there. And it was, they had a career day, kind of interviewing day. Mm. It was the only business that I was interested in really talking to. Um, and shortly after, I was offered a, a position as a research analyst. So that's how I moved to Syracuse, uh, started awesome. my career here, yeah. uh, worked there for about two years, learned a lot. It was a, a fast paced culture, lots of work, lots of traveling. It was great. It, you know, I was thrown right into it. So yeah. out of the gate, I was, you know, leading national projects for FedEx, wow. HBO, other major wow. accounts as a, you know, a 22 year old. Um, Were you an individual so, contributor or did you start managing people at that, at that company? Yeah, mostly a contributor. So the management was more in like the projects and the clients. Right. Um, you know, so I always say the, the number of hours I worked there, I got three years worth of experience in about a year and a half, uh, <laughs> but wouldn't change a thing. Uh, you yeah. know, it made me the, the person I am today. I learned a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of smart people I worked with there right out of the gate. And where, when did you start managing people directly? Was that in the next job? Yeah. So, you know, there's a, a couple different jobs. We kind of market research is very flat. Um, yeah. you know, so our roles, um, you know, even if you're not managing someone, you're still offering some guidance and oversight for other staff. So right. when I did officially started managing a, a team at the, the next company, um, you know, our, our, our department virtually ran ourselves. You know, when I ran that first team, a lot of us had a lot of trust built in each other. It was kind of a give and take relationship. Um, always a believer in giving employees freedom to do their yeah. work, be owners, be responsible for their deadlines. Um, you know, so I've always enjoyed that aspect and that's kind of, you know, my management style. It's research is, is very much peaks and valleys in right. our brand. It's, it's, there's times where we ask a lot of our employees during those peaks, but I also don't ask questions if, if they want to take some time away, you know, mm. take a Friday afternoon off or scoot out yeah. early with family. Um, you know, so that's kind of the, the style in terms of, um, what I employ with my employees. Did you have some good mentors early on, you know, from a kind of a management standpoint that helped kind of bring you along? Lots. Yeah. You know, yeah. as as a researcher and kind of knowing my long term plan was starting my own company, mm. um, I kind of used the first 15 years, you know, 10 years of my career just soaking as much as I could in. Um, so a lot of lessons, you know, things that I use with our employees, you know, good, good company, um, you know, a good boss at a bad company, um, you know, beats a bad boss at a good company, taking the blame, um, you know, when something goes wrong, giving the credit when something else goes right. Um, you know, so I talked to a, a lot of our new employees who enter the workforce. Um, it's the, the team aspect of the jobs. Yeah. Um, that's something that I learned early on is, uh, coming out of college, you know, I thought when I was hired, you have to know everything. Uh, you shouldn't mm. have weaknesses, right? Mm. And the truth is, you know, I've learned we all have strengths and weaknesses. Right. It's, it's okay to say, show me how to do that again, or I don't yeah. understand this, um, because there's chances are, and there's things that that person's going to be better at than I am. And, right. and I may ask them to return that favor. So I've worked with, you know, a lot of different types of management styles and personalities over the years have built some really good relationships that I still have today. Uh, just having the entrepreneurial mindset. Um, I always knew I wanted to start my company. So really over the years used um, every opportunity um, as a learning experience yeah. and took a lot of ownership in every project, every client, every relationship mm. I had at those past companies. Even though I wasn't in charge there, I, I treated each client as if it was my own. 
Right, um, right. You know, so what does a company do well? What does it do poorly? What does this manager do well? What does she or he do poorly? Um, so really drive research when you look at it. It's, it's just the culmination of all of my research and, and past experience and knowing of what I want and, and what I don't want in the job. Yeah. And then offering that uh, to our employees here. Yeah, um, awesome. So it's, it's really what I would want if I were the employee working for Drive. Now, you mentioned early on that um, you, you kind of knew you, had to, you wanted to set up your own company and, and, and be an entrepreneur and have your own research company and, of course, wanted to get some training first. What, what was the motivation behind that? Was it back to your entrepreneurial activities? Um, you, know, you obviously didn't choose the automotive industry. That's right. <laughs> so so That's what, right. What, what was kind of the motivation around you know, knowing that you'd want to set up your own company someday? Yeah, I've just always had a passion to kind of mm. do my own thing and, and yeah. be a little bit of a, a different person and a risk taker. Yeah. Um, and it's just something I always like carving out my own path, carving out our own company. And I just have a very particular philosophy of, of how to manage people and how to manage clients and how to do things. And um, it's just fun to, to share that success. And, and that's yeah. the most rewarding part is, is seeing our company grow over the years. Now it's been a, it was about a dozen years, I think, before you founded Drive Research. Uh, mm-hmm. Worked at two or three different companies. When did you know you were ready? Yeah, it's it's a tough question because that's there's never a right time, right? I felt like there was <laughs> never a right time to make. The there are so many factors, right? You've got right? kids. You got the you know maybe the wife doesn't work. You've got kids in school. Maybe that it's an expensive school. I mean, you know, it's it's hard, right, to juggle that. Was there a life event or something that? It came about at the time when you finally decided to go on your own? Yeah, so it's really interesting. So it's, you know, I was getting closer to kind of jumping off and, and kind of pulling the trigger to go full time. And yeah. um, I ended up getting a call from a client who was interested in, um, you know, using me as a consultant and hiring a team for the State Fair Project in New mm. York, which is a huge fair. They draw, you know, a million, million and a half people every year. Wow. And uh, he found me on LinkedIn, of all places huh. that shows you the power yeah. of LinkedIn. Um, sure. And he was looking for a team to staff some intercept surveys at the State Fair. And he asked me if I could do it. And, you know, I was working a full-time job um, at that time. And, and I hung up the phone. I, I told him, yeah, we can do it. I, I hung up and I said, I have no freaking clue how I'm going to do this, right? <laughs> uh, which is like so much the story of entrepreneurs. You just say sure. yes and figure it out, right? So came home that night, talked to my wife. She's like, Sure, you know, I'll take two weeks vacation. I'm on this. She got her sister to do it, my sister-in-law. Wow. Took two weeks vacation, came up and did it. Uh, we had some friends who had done it, um, who kind of took some time off and helped us out. And that was the first project we first landed. Project, yeah. And I was yeah. like, you know what? I can do this. I can and, do this. Yeah. And that was the jumping off point. Wow, that's fantastic. So it really was that call from the outside. So so you were working full-time at the time. How did you kind of juggle between that responsibility and, and doing this project? Was it kind of a weekend thing? It sounds like the state fair is, what, a 10, 7-10-day type of project, so you could kind of focus against it? Or how, how did you juggle that against having your full-time job? Exactly. Nights and weekends, yeah. really spending time there, you know, and, and kind of building drive research in the background at that point, right. too, with their right. website and all of that. And then you know, the company I worked for at that time was, was very understanding. They had a really good culture. And I actually yeah. sat down with my manager and said, this is something I want to do. And she's like, right. I'm, not, I'm not surprised. Um, so what we did is we worked out an arrangement where I worked part time for them through the oh, end of the great. year, yeah. uh, which gave me some flexibility to do my own thing and get started. So um, a little bit of a runway, you know, get, get some yeah. of those invoices paid. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I give them a lot of credit that for that because go. it, 
it did help a lot versus yeah. just ripping the band-aid off and, and yeah, starting awesome so so tell us a little bit about drive and you know your focus you know kind of your your footprint who you you know uh, work against and, and, and full disclaimer we, we we found you because we were looking for a research company and we're going to be engaged <laughs> in a project soon so those that are That's listening right. know that you know we're obviously big believers here at ROI in, in research as well but um, you know I, I have to say we were very much attracted to kind of your you know uh, uh, approach and, and as we got deeper into some of the ways in which you do it it, it felt very proctorish to me if you don't mind me saying you know sure. it, as I said back to my brand management Days, you know, worked with a lot of different research companies. I said, like, "Oh, these guys—they—they they really know what they're doing." <laughs> but uh, tell tell us a little bit about those early days because it's you know it's a little scary, right, to stop out. And you've been doing it what close to about six years now. So, um, you know what um, you know what were those early foundation days like? Yeah, yeah, a lot of fun. I'll, I'll say that when I look back, <laughs> it was just a, a lot of fun and, and very motivating because uh, when I made the jump, you really have no other choice. Um, yeah, so we're a full-service market research company. We yeah. do all types of fun qualitative and, and quantitative studies. Um, you know, you finding us uh, online is not too surprising. That's how right. we generate a lot of our new business. Yeah. We are big believers in content. Right. We write a lot. You know, if you look at our website, we have tons of, of helpful tips and posts. And we always say if a client spent a day on our website, they could become a quick expert on research. Right. And right. Uh, we've been fortunate enough through all of that content that I wrote over the years that I worked into the website and, and our awesome team here that writes for us. We've landed some amazing clients um, that yeah. we work with, which is, is crazy being a, a small market research firm here in upstate New York. We're working with, you know, Amazon and Duncan and Walmart yeah. and Pinterest and Kohl's. Uh, the list goes on. It's it's very rewarding to look back at that. Um, you know, so when we first started the company, uh, we, we kind of were big believers in content and I wrote right. a lot to get that on the website to, right. to attract business and just leveraged a lot of relationships in the early going. And mm. I will say that's, that's the biggest thing is, um, you can have the best product in the world you can have the best service in the world, but it, it really comes down to people and the relationships. Right. And, right. um, after we landed that state fair project and, and I jumped off, I had a few clients in my back pocket that uh, were willing to jump on board and do projects with us. And um, that was a huge help just to mm. build that foundation and get started. And, you know, those projects pay for your marketing to help grow your business. And those right. projects pay for other employees to bring on board. And, and we have grown from there. How many employees today? Yeah, so we're up to 10 full-time. Ah, fantastic. Uh, we're looking for a, a few other full-time employees yeah. now. And we have about uh, a dozen part-timers. Right. So people who call for our phone surveys, recruit for focus groups. That's um, yeah, crazy. Five years and, and we're growing steadily. Fantastic. Well, maybe we can help you with some of those positions to fill at some point. But <laughs> we'll, right. we'll have a separate discussion about that. Yes, well, tell, you know, I mean, obviously going from, you know, a, a dozen years or so in, in, in a variety of different corporations, larger and, and smaller as you went along and, and now, you know, running your own small business. To, to talk to us a little bit about some of the leadership challenges, particularly in those early days of getting drive set up and, you know, where you are today. Um, was it fairly natural? Did you find that you changed your style a little bit or had to because now you know you're the guy in the corner office yeah right um i would say the biggest thing is it's just my perspective has improved um mm. you know being an employee for so many years i I, yeah. I just understand that perspective and, and what's important to people and how to treat people the right way right. so so my mentality with that really as a business owner 
um, you know, with a growing team is, is no task is above or below me. Uh, we, we really adopt a team approach to everything. It's, um, you know, working at some of the other company I was always at, there's things that I would never think about asking my manager to do to help me out. Um, and I never want our employees to feel that. So it's part of kind of a give and take culture I have yeah. with my management style. Um, if someone needs me to jump in and review something or do something overnight, it's kind of like, um, you know, the restaurant manager will even clean the right. bathroom, right? Uh, right. You know, right. helping out a team member versus saying it's not my job. Um, yeah. right. you know, so it's a give and take. And, and when I can help our team with that, um, you know, I know I'm going to need their help on a Friday afternoon or something. And you're willing um, to go grab the toilet brush. Exactly. Sometimes you got to <laughs> clean the bathroom, right? So, so you know, obviously, you're, you're probably working with with folks younger than you. Maybe, maybe it's some the same age or, or a little bit older as well. And you know, there's been a lot of a lot written about the millennial workforce, and and you know, as they develop now, and I think they're actually larger than the boomers, of which I claim membership in. Um, you know, and, and one of the things I've heard a lot of CEOs say is that it's it's a little bit different you know, being in situations where you're used to having your, you know, questions answered rather than your answers questioned. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious as if you face that and is that part of the culture that you try to encourage with your team? A hundred percent. Absolutely. You know, with the, the younger workforce, they, they have questions. They're very engaged in their jobs, which yeah. is, which is awesome from our standpoint, but I've always been very open. Um, I think that's part of the researcher in me is is you have to be objective and you have right, to be the pros right. and cons of things. So if there's yeah. something I can be doing better, I'm, I'm all ears for that. So we, we always talk about evolving with everything at our company. Mm. And, um, you know, I tell my staff, if, if you don't look back at a report you wrote two or three years ago and, and you're not embarrassed by it, by how it looks, you're not evolving fast enough, right. um, making right. changes along the way. So... I really encourage feedback uh, across our organizations. You know, we have, you know, templates in place, efficiencies built in, but uh, we're always open to change. We really do have a, an incredible team and a lot of them are better at things than I am. So in, in that situation, I'm, I listen and, and let them guide us in certain situations. How do you decide when, you know, it's time to, to hover or perhaps micromanage or, you know, get out of the way and, and stay out of their sandbox? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's tough, Brent. Um, yeah. You know, one of the biggest challenges I'll say as a business owner um, is, is I need to spend less time working in drive and more time working on it. Um, yeah. And, yeah. you know, the, the other issue with that is, is I enjoy research so much. You know, I've enjoyed it <laughs> since I was 19. Right. Right. So, you knew what you wanted to do at a yeah. very early age. Yeah. Yeah. So separating myself from from the work is difficult, um, but right. it's also a necessity for, for us to grow and, and to scale. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, certain things that I've changed in my style and, and, and how to kind of avoid getting too deep and too much in the weeds, I, you know, offer guidance and suggestions on, mm. on some of our approaches, um, you know, tips on how to talk to clients, you know, uh, really giving my employees the, the freedom to, uh, approach it in their own way, learn from the, learn from their mistakes, um, learn from what they do well. Right. Um, I don't know if you, you have kids or you're, you're a Harry Potter mm. fan, but, um, the Dumbledore quote I use with the team all the time is, is helpful, help will be given for those who ask for it. And, <laughs> that's, and right. that's, that's right. That's how we approach it. Um, yeah, I'm always yeah. willing to set time aside, uh, if they need something. 
Now, you know, this last year and a half or so has been so unique for so many businesses due to the pandemic and a lot of remote working, et cetera. And you've got a small team. Are, are you all remote? Do you still congregate in an office? You know, what's kind of the structure now, given what's going on in the world today? Yeah, so um, I would say that we do, we do have an office, but we have always offered full flexibility. Our Had office was even pre pre pandemic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think you know there was probably no other business that was well set up for this because we were uh, offered full remote flexibility with all of our staff. Um, you know, so so they're working for wherever, and I always said. You know, work where you're most productive. If that right. means you're working from home and you're in sweatpants uh, and you can do a better report and you can keep your clients happier and you can get things done faster, I don't see how that's a disadvantage for a company or how that's a disadvantage for a client. Yeah. So we've always encouraged yeah. that over the years. And, and, and even with our office now, um, it's there. If you need to get out and you want to change the scenery and, and go there to work for the day, by all means do that. But we don't require any time in the office um which also means you know we have staff all over the country we have staff in milwaukee we have staff in new york city and um that's something we've always looked at over the years even pre-covid yeah and and with regards to the company culture then does it make it a little more difficult in terms of you know propagating that and instilling the kind of beliefs and so forth or you know do you have regular town halls or meetings and you know check-ins with a lot of the folks that are doing the work for you yeah, so it's both. We we like to to give them the freedom, but we do meet regularly as a team uh, once right. a week to kind of talk through priorities. I have one on ones with with all of my employees, and and those who manage other employees also have one on ones with them. Yeah. So it allows us to be really nimble and, and shuffle resources around uh, to make things happen. Um, just a lot of things baked into our culture. You mm. know, the remote work is one. You know, working from home even before COVID. Um, you know, so we always feel like I always feel like culture is a it's a ground up thing. Um, yeah, sure. So something that uh, might be a better question for my employees than me um, in, in terms of how they define the culture. But if you ask them, I would guess they would say things, you know, like team oriented, flexible, yeah. approachable, you know, friendly, helpful, all those things. Do you personally touch every project, every client uh, project? Yeah, so I wear a lot of hats. Um, So we recently hired a VP, so a lot of the business development for our our company is still done by myself and and the VP. Um, So there's always um, some type of touch point that I have with the clients, and some of our major accounts I I still oversee and and kind of help the team and join those calls. Um, You know, some of the smaller projects, it's it's kind of we assign a project manager or director to manage those, but. With the business development process and how we're structured, yeah, there's there's a little bit of a relationship that I'm building with each client, which right. I feel is a good thing. You know, it may not be scalable long term, but right now right. it right. helps. Do you do you have specific touch points on each project that you kind of, you know, uh, kind of tell your folks, hey, this is where I need to be informed or be involved? I mean, come to me when you have a problem, but you know, places where you actually do check in from time to time on a regular basis. We do. We do. Mm-hmm. So with research, it's a very systematic process, right. Uh, right. regardless of the, the industry we're working for, the type of project. It, it follows a pretty similar process. Right. So really, the, the two touch points where I try to, to join in and offer some guidance and talk to the client is one, the kickoff meeting, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when we launch a new project. We're talking about objectives. What do they want to What do they want to learn at the end sure. of the day? Yeah. You know, what types of insights are they looking for? How do they want to act on the results? So that consultation piece in that front end really just help, helps set the tone for the entire project, guides right. the process. Right. And then in the back end, I'll also try to get involved in kind of the report presentation, the debrief, sure. um, digesting those findings, those takeaways. How can I add some perspective from my past experience to help right. that client? Right. So really, you know, those are the two kind of client facing pieces of our process. A lot of the other work is done behind the scenes, writing right. surveys, you know, collecting field work, data analysis. Uh, some of that stuff, you know, I leave and, and trust the team with that. Yeah, and, good um, people that are doing that training exactly. in that area. Yeah, exactly. yeah, cool. Well, you'd mentioned about growth and, and obviously you know, positions to fill. What do you look for when you're, you know, making bets on the people you invest in and hire, George? Yeah, it's so crucial for us, um, you know, and, and it's it's even more crucial when you look at a company like ours who, who continues to grow. Um, the one thing I say to our staff is, is I never want to be in a position to hire out of necessity. Um, mm. I feel like when you're desperate and you hire out of necessity, you take the best of what's available right. and you can make mistakes. Um, so as a culture, there are times with, with the, you know, the, the, the mountains and valleys of our work, we, we all take on a little bit of additional work if that means hiring the right person to join our team. Uh, so we yeah. take it and we're really conscious of that. So I always want to hire the right people, um, mm. you know, and find the right role for them. So we, we are all about kind of molding positions um, as we learn more about you and you learn more about Drive. So if that means shifting your role and responsibilities based on skills, your interests, your passion, we're more than open to doing that. Yeah. Uh, we always want to try to align, you know, people's passions and interests with their role. Right. Um, so we have a real, you know, systematic approach to hiring, probably not too surprising, um, as a research, Your research company, company. <laughs> right, right. Everything is a system. Everything is a process, right? So those who kind of meet those initial requirements, we send them a follow-up, you know, candidate evaluation survey. We get right. some more detail on their approach to mm. work, the person they are, their skill sets. From there, we usually do a one-on-one follow-up interview followed by a group interview. Yeah. We are big fans of, of sending um, you know, new potential hires real-life tasks like assignments. Mm. We'll blind a report and say, write some findings. What do you see yeah. in this chart? What do you see in this graph? Right, right. Um, just puts them in the realm of, of understanding what they're going to do. What right. they're going to do and gives yeah. us some perspective on, on you know, how they interpret data. So those assignments are really, really valuable yeah, for us well because right. you see how you know, they think. Exactly. You know, yeah. there's a lot of good interviewers and, and they can talk about what yeah. they can do and their skills, but actually seeing <laughs> it is really important for and us. Work product. Yeah. Any favorite interview questions you use, uh, you know, after kind of the assessments are done and the studies, et cetera, I'm sure you meet at some point in time before that hiring decision's made. What do you probe for at that time, at that, at that point? Say they've made over those first few hurdles. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like, you know, when I have conversations with potential hires, I don't really like getting into the nuts and bolts. That's all stuff you can read during a resume, your background, your skills, your platforms you have experience with. Um, I really like to just get to know them a little bit more as a person. Mm. Uh, so yeah. what, what motivates you? Um, yeah. what, what do you do outside of work? Um, you know, what do you look for in a company? Uh, it's something, you know, I've learned over the years, uh, early on, you know, when I started out of college, I always thought, you know, there's a clear cut between work and, and personal life. Mm. Um, and that has really thinned over the years. Um, you know, we're all at the, at the end of the day, we're all people. We all have families. We have hobbies, interests outside of work. 
uh, you know, so I feel as an employer, you know, the more drive research can understand and kind of work around and accommodate those, it just ends up with a happier employer, uh, yeah. employee and they, they do better work because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, George, you've been very, very generous with your time. Thank you. And we're, we're just about out of it here, but we do have one last question. We ask all our guests Sure. and you know, that's what kind of career and life advice would you give to someone who, you know, maybe has been out there in like, you know, 10, 12 years like yourself. And maybe you're thinking about the corner office, either at the company that they're working for, or perhaps, you know, going out on their own and being an entrepreneur. What, what, what would you tell that person? Yeah. Yeah, I may need another hour for that, Brian. <laughs> That's all right. We do follow so up. much, right? Distill um, <laughs> you know, it down. Two or three points. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, as we talked about, I, I waited a long time to find the right time to jump and, and realize yeah. there wasn't one and, and yeah. kind of, yeah. you know, the project kind of fell to me and, yeah. and that right. was it, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I talked about the relationship. You know, it's who you know and, and building those and, and treating every single relationship in your company, out of your company, um, you know, as, as your own, um, and making right. sure that you're building good relationships, because if you're interested in doing entrepreneurship down the road or, or being a C-level, you know, it, it's all about really relationships. Yeah. Um, you know, so finding the right, you know, organizations, companies you can work for that offer a wide range of responsibilities. That's another thing I, I mentioned wearing a lot of hats. Um, you know, working for a company where you can get your hands, you know, dirty in, in a yeah. bunch of different functions when you're at a C-level or you're running your own business, you're going to wear the HR hat, you're going to wear the marketing right. hat, you're going to wear the, the accounts payable hat. Uh, so that exposure is really invaluable, is, mm. is really using like your early career to, to kind of just get all of that exposure and understanding right. what works and what doesn't from companies you work at. Yeah. Um, yeah. The best analogy I'll say, um, you know, I was joking about this with our, our project manager the other day. It's running a business is it, it's like keeping a hundred balloons in the air, um, and, and you can't possibly keep all one hundred in the air and all the time. So you have to understand how to prioritize those bigger mm -hmm. balloons and, and be okay with the ones that are smaller that fall to the ground. Yeah. And it's it's really hard to do as a perfectionist and. and um, you know, you just really don't want to let the big ones fall. Like, sure. you know, the family time, the major accounts, right. your employee right. development. Um, you know, so some days it, it, it could feel like an absolute grind, uh, but there's no other feeling like it in the world to, to be in charge of your own destiny, your own company's destiny. It's really the most rewarding feeling and, yeah. and just very, very motivating. Yeah. Awesome. Well, George Kuhn, owner and president of Drive Research, thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Yeah, thanks, Brent. I appreciate you having me and enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.go4roi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.